Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, then my name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. And for those of you who want to know more about this podcast, we sit down with entrepreneurs, content creators, movers and shakers in their industry and really walk through their story of how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode and the introduction to today's guest, just wanted to go ahead and uh, reiterate the main goal here with this podcast, and that's really to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to share this podcast with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will get some value out of it. And if you're really feeling special, leave a review uh, of Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you think. Thanks to those who have really uh, made reviews and shared the episode. Greatly appreciate all the hard work that you're putting in there to help me impact over 1 million people. Uh, the hard work definitely does not go unnoticed. Now on to today's guest. I'm sitting down with Trevor Cowley. He operates a few different businesses, uh, one being 60-day credit repair, second being easier accounting. He also uh, is one of the co-hosts of the Real Business Owners podcast, and he's invested in about eight different companies right now. So Trevor is uh, safe to say he's a, he's a pretty robust and uh, pretty dedicated entrepreneur. I've been following him for about two years, and what I can say about Trevor is he seems to be uh, actually, correction, he is probably one of the most dedicated and disciplined uh, people that I know. So I'm super pumped to sit down with him, dive into his story. Also, definitely going to chat with him about discipline, dedication, commitment, the whole nine yards there. So super pumped to dive into the episode. But before we do that, as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Trevor, thanks for hopping on the Next Level Minds podcast, man. Dude, I'm super excited about it. I've had this day marked on my calendar now for about a month, so uh, I'm, I'm ready to get her done, dude. Hopefully, <laughs> I can bring some value to the listeners today. So, Yeah, dude, of course. I, I mean, I've been following your podcast, Real Business Owners, for honestly about two years now. So, uh, got about oh, wow. like so much pent-up stuff. Like, I'm, I'm ready to dive in once we get started. Yeah, so. Let's do it. I appreciate the support. So, thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, how's Utah? I know it's like 110 degrees outside right now. So. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I love it. I love it. I, I'll I'll take 110 degrees uh, dry heat all day over 90 and humid. So, um, yeah, we're in the desert part of, of of Utah. So we're southern Utah. We're about an hour and a half away from Vegas, but we share the same desert heat. Vegas is only usually a couple degrees hotter. So if we're 110, they're probably 113s. But if you've, if anybody's ever been to, you know, Arizona, Phoenix, uh, Las Vegas, we share that same dry desert heat. So it's, uh, it's miserable for a month or two, but, uh, I'll take that over no snow in the winter. So I'll take the extreme hot in the summer just to make sure I can still golf when it's November, December, January. So. Yeah, no, I, I feel that I've, I have some friends in the Northeast and it's like, they can only play golf maybe like three or four months max out of the year. Cause yep. it just gets so freaking cold on the other months. And when, and when it's like that, it's hard to even get on because everybody's trying to get on and play. So and then every course is super expensive because they're trying to make up for the lost money uh, when they had snow, you know, so. 
Yeah. How, how long have you been playing golf for? Mm, quite some time, just more for fun. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not anything to write home about, you know, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not practicing to try to get on the tour, but um, I, I try to get out, you know, a couple times a month, just nothing crazy. But at one point I was going weekly every Sunday with, with some old timers that would always hustle me out of money. So then I'd look at my bank account and realize that, you know, I'm spending five, 600 bucks a month on golf and 400 of it's losing money. So I can buy myself a nice boat or something with that type of a monthly payment. So I stopped golfing with those old timers. They, they got me. I keep doubling down because I figured I'd win one hole eventually. So I'd say double, let's double it. Let's do until I'd, until I'd win. But, um, uh, I lost more than I won. That's for sure. <laughs> Man, that's usually the case with golf. I've only been playing a few years and it's just every other time I, I maybe shoot what I want, but other than that, it's just not working that well. So that's what keeps you going back, bro. It keeps yeah. you chasing. If yeah. it's too easy, then, then you wouldn't like it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So I know you're getting uh, your pilot's license right now. Um, want to ask like what lessons kind of through that process would you kind of relate to like business, for example? Uh, that's a great question. That's a great question. I would say, you know, initially when you, when you're um, going to take a plane up in the air, you have to pre-flight the plane. Okay. So you have to walk around the plane, see if there's anything that's kind of out of order. Um, there's nicks or, you know, uh, you got to check your brakes. You got to check your tires. You got to check your oil. You got to check your gas. I mean, you're walking around the whole plane, just looking at anything that could potentially be wrong with the plane. You want to make sure it's airworthy, right? And and I would say the lesson in, in that is even in business, sometimes we just have a great idea and we just start running with it, but we really don't put a plan in place. We don't have a, so I have a list of things that I have to check off before it's ready to take up in the air. So I've got to check this, I got to check the oil, check the, check the tires, check the brakes, you know, everything. So I just kind of go down my list and, and check things off, right? I think um, I could relate that to business because individuals should have a list of um, KPIs, right? Um, KPIs are basically the key performance indicator, something that is going to help your business perform at, at a high level. And when you identify those key performance indicators inside of your business, it's easy to double down, triple down on those things that are ultimately moving the needle. I don't think enough people really take time to dissect the activities that they're doing that are moving the needle versus that are just busy work, mm. right? Because a lot of the times we'll, we'll get to the point in business, we'll start the business, we start making a little bit of money, we're wearing a lot of hats, and we need to get to the point where we write down some of the things that you know a $12 an hour employee can do that we're still, still taking on right? You should be focusing on the, the things that are going to move the needle forward. Get rid of the things that ultimately somebody else could do that's taking time away from you on those key, those key points that can move the business forward, right? So, I, I think a lot of people, you know, just show up every single day, you know, giving their best effort, but there's really no intention behind it, right? They're just taking what the day serves them. If there's an issue, they'll put out that fire for the day, but they really don't go in with a plan of attack and they don't have a checklist of things that they want to get accomplished that day. Um, secondly, um, there's a lot of protocols when you're flying an airplane. If this happens, this is the protocol. If this happens, this is what you have to do, right? And so I don't think enough entrepreneurs 
leaders follow a, a protocol. Okay, they don't follow a certain set of rules that they have in place for themselves. And what happens when you don't follow the protocol, right? If if the destination is growing your business to five million dollars or ten million dollars or whatever the debt, whatever the the number is, that whatever the goal is, that's your destination. That's where you're trying to take your business. There should be a protocol that you follow every single day that's going to help you get closer and closer to that goal. A lot, what happens a lot of the times when, when plane accidents happen is they didn't follow the protocol. They listened too much to the emotion in that moment, the feelings, right? They felt a certain way and they did something outside of the norm and their emotions led them down the wrong path, right? So I think a lot of times in business, you know, something bad can happen or there's an issue and you're, you start operating based upon your feelings and your emotions rather than honoring what you're trying to accomplish and following the protocol, right? Mm-hmm. So um, John F. Kennedy had a son, JFK Jr. He was a pilot. He crashed his plane and he died, right? And he got into some clouds and you can get disoriented in clouds, even though, I mean, I mean you're, you're looking out the windshield, but it's just, it's just pure white. You don't see anything. And so if you're flying straight, sometimes it might feel like that you're flying sideways. Or if you're flying sideways, it still might feel like that you're flying straight. But there's a protocol. There's what's called your attitude indicator inside of a plane. It shows you the attitude of the plane, whether it's flying up, flying down, flying sideways, whatever it is, right? And then there's the center point. That means if you're flying on that center point, you're in what's called straight and level flight, right? And so if you can't visually see, the protocol is to drop down to the instruments and fly the plane based on the instruments, mainly your attitude indicator that shows you the direction that you're flying, whether it's up, down, left, right, whatever it is, right? That's the protocol. But you get disoriented a little bit when you're up there and you don't have that visual stimulation. Hmm. You can't see outside the windshield, right? And what happens is it might feel as though that you're flying straight and level, but you're actually flying down or you're flying up or you're flying sideways. It's just, you're not connected. Your brain and your mind aren't connected. They're really, really confused. And so your brain says signals to your body where it feels like you're flying sideways when you're really flying straight. In his case, what he did, instead of following the protocol, he didn't look down at his gauges. He relied on the way that he felt. So he fly, he took the of the plane and started flying it based upon his emotion or his feeling. He thought he was flying a certain way and he wanted to correct it and feel as though that it was flying straight and level. Mm. But in reality, when he took back the controls, he got it to the point where he felt like he was flying straight and level, but he was actually flying directly straight into the ground. Mm. And he crashed his plane into the ocean, but straight the ocean. Not like he tried to come down and, and land in the ocean or anything like that, uh, like an emergency landing type situation. It was nose first directly into the ocean. And what happened is he just get disoriented. He didn't trust and follow the protocol. He leaned too much on the way that he felt and his emotion, and he ultimately didn't get to his destination. So I can use that in business because sometimes we emotionally or we feel like We just don't want to do that thing that we know that we should be doing that day in Mm. our business because we're tired or 
uh, we have a headache or what, whatever the situation is. Maybe there was a big issue that you already solved that day and that took your energy. So you push off the other things that you were going to do that day. That's leaning too much into emotion and the way that you feel rather than following the protocol and honoring what you said that you were going to do, right? And I think more entrepreneurs need to remove the emotion and remove feeling from business and follow the protocol. If the protocol says, I'm going to make 50 dials that day, or I'm going to have a meeting with my staff, or I'm going to make this, this uh, presentation um, to this individual. I'm going to send that email. And when you get in that moment, sometimes you just don't feel like the night before you're like, yeah, I'm going to have a great staff meeting. I'm going to realign things. I'm going to shift people around. Then you get to the office and you get an email or something, a curveball happens, right? Uh, that kind of throws you off of what your initial plan was. And then you never come back to that, right? You just let the day kind of get away and today turns into tomorrow, then next week, next month. And next thing you know, you're not really getting the things that you need to get done done because you're letting the day come at you. And then at that point, you're not in the right emotional state where you just want to kind of, you know, hang your hat up for the day and just call it a day and, and get that thing done later. I would say people just need to attack that thing, whatever that thing is. Everybody knows what that thing is in their business. There's a conversation with an employee that's not producing that you're just avoiding, right? Mm -hmm. There's a conversation with an employee um, that has a lot of potential, but they're not stepping up. And you need to, you, you wanted to, you know, give them that permission to step up and, and, and be a leader in the organization, but you haven't had that conversation yet, right? Or a conversation with your spouse. You know, I really want to do this business but they don't really want to do the business. And so you're at two different ends, but you don't want to have that confrontation. I would say confrontation is the, the, the thing that holds people back the most from growing a real business. If you, you're not good with confrontation, you're probably not going to be good in business because there's going to be many things that are going to be uncomfortable, many uncomfortable conversations. You're going to have to fire people, let people go. You're going to have to let them know that they're underperforming. There's a lot of different things that are uncomfortable in business but you have to get to the point where, again, no matter how you feel, you still honor that thing that needs to get done. You follow the protocol, right? And if you said you were going to have that conversation, then have that conversation. But a lot of entrepreneurs avoid the thing that they know that they should be doing because, again, they just don't feel like it, right? Yeah. Dude, I, I love the point you made there about like doing things even when you don't feel like it because I think anyone can can – you know, achieve great things when they're feeling like it and be motivated and work hard when they're, when they're feeling it. But when they're not feeling it, I think that's really what's going to separate you apart in business because 90% the only of people separator. are going to, yeah. It's yeah. the only separator. The individuals that honor their commitments, no matter how they feel, are the people that get somewhere in life. And the people that wait to feel great in order to do great, they're not going to, they're not getting anywhere. The motivation comes in way, right? Uh, you know, and, and tide, low tide. I mean, even waves are inconsistent, right? And so you can get a motivation to feel like that you can take on the world, but the reality, is the majority of the time that you're taking on the world, you're not going to have that same level of motivation. Maybe that just helped you get started, but you've got to get to the point where you figure out a way to things that you don't feel like doing, even when you don't feel like doing, which is ultimately just discipline, right? That's really mm -hmm. what it comes down to. 
we all to eat healthy and exercise if you want to be fit, but obesity's at an all-time high and it's continuing to climb. That's just real information. Eat healthy and exercise, move your body, drink water. Like that a hundred percent of people know that. Like yeah. that's a fact, right? But how many people honor that? How many people follow through with that? Very minimal. It's a lot easier for people to understand what they need to do than it is obviously to do that thing. It's because of motivation, because there's going to be mm. weeks that you just don't feel like doing something. I get up every single day, like clockwork at 530. I'm at the gym every single day, like clockwork at six o'clock. The fact is, I don't feel like doing that 90% of the time. Every so often, I'll wake up feeling great and want to go to the gym. But I made a commitment to myself that that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to honor that. Why? Because I know it's going to be difficult. And there's going to be a lot of days that I don't feel like doing it. But that's the easiest way for me to create mental toughness, to, you know, forge discipline. If, if it's as simple as just getting out of bed and getting, getting a workout in, and that's going to serve me in other areas of my life, then I'm going to do that thing even on the days that I don't feel like doing it. So that's like step one in order to, to kind of get that discipline muscle to the point where I can utilize it in other areas of my life. But that's the easiest. I mean, somebody can say, look, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do a one mile walk every single morning. Look, that doesn't cost you anything. All it's ultimately doing is putting you in a situation where you're becoming more disciplined because there's going to be a lot of days that you don't feel like doing that mile. And every day that you do that mile, you're getting more and more disciplined. And that's going to serve you in other areas of your business. And I just don't think people understand how important that is. Yeah. And not to mention like the discipline, but I think in my opinion, I think you naturally get like more motivated each time you kind of stay true to your promise that you set for yourself. Well, look, early on when I, when I started that routine, it was, I was fighting my brain constantly, right? So yeah. either you're in full control or your brain's in full control. There's really no mm. halfway, right? And the majority of people um, react to things in the world, right? And, and so they wake up, you know, uh, 30 minutes before they have to go to work, hurry and get ready, rush into work and whatever comes at them that day, that day they handle it. Uh, then they go home. And again, they're just kind of on autopilot mentally. I wanted to get to the point where I was in full control of my mind versus my mind being in full control of myself. Hmm. The average individual can say they're going to wake up tomorrow at 5 a.m. and get a workout in. And they can set an alarm right now. But when 5 a.m. comes, they're going to shut that alarm off and they're going to push it back to eight o'clock so that they can be to work by nine o'clock. Right. And so Again, it's, it's a matter of just honoring the commitments that you made to yourself. And that's how you become um, an individual of value. And that's how your self-worth increases. Because if you don't honor your commitments, even you know you're full of shit. And when you know you're full of shit, the next time you want to do that thing, that big thing, or take your business to the next level, or even start a business, your mind is, is, is already working against you because it already knows it can play you. It can sell you something to talk you out of that thing that you ultimately should be doing that's going to serve you. I think the that, that people need to realize that a lot of the things that are inconvenient are actually really empowering. Mm. Waking up is inconvenient. It, it absolutely is. I'll be the first one to tell you that. But it's also empowering because I'm doing the things that other people aren't doing. 
and it's creating a level of discipline that other people don't have. So eventually I can just run circles around people because I, I'm far more disciplined. Now, when I tell my mind I'm going to do something, I honor that thing that I'm going to do. And my mind just stays quiet because it knows no matter how hard it tries to sell me the excuse, I'm going to honor the commitment no matter how I feel. And that's really where you start gaming your mind. Look, you've got one, you have to live with it forever. You might as well figure out how to game it. You might as well figure out how to use it to your advantage rather than having it use you and ultimately be at a disadvantage in life, right? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I mean, mindset is huge. Next Level Minds, of course, the name of the podcast. So uh, glad you brought all that up. Um, you touched on like early on, uh, so backing up a little bit, like what was 2012 like? I know you've mentioned on a few podcasts, you know, you had no money in the bank account starting your company, had to go on some credit card debt. I know there's probably some lessons to unpack there and everything. So what happened was I actually worked for the company. Um, I, I worked for Kel and Jeremy, my partners now. And uh, I worked for them in 2009 to 2012. And during that time, I 120, 130 grand a year as a sales representative. So I was doing okay, right? Making about 10 grand a month. Nothing, nothing crazy, but not bad for, you know, 25 years old. So, um, and what I did is I, I, I already knew that I wasn't the smartest cookie, right? I wasn't the brightest bulb, however you want to put it. So I knew that opportunity liked um, money or skills, I didn't have a whole lot of skills except for the ability to be a good sales guy. And I knew that that's a dime a dozen. There's a lot of great salespeople, right? And so I knew for me to create opportunity in my life, I had to have money. Money loves to, or opportunity finds money. That's why rich people get presented opportunities all the time and poor people don't. Poor people can't bring the opportunity any value. Rich people can because they can inject capital and bring it to life. And so um, at a young age, when I started making money, uh, I knew I didn't want to do sales forever, so I wanted to be smart about it. So I was driving a $3,000 Mitsubishi Lancer with zero air conditioning. And like we just said, in St. George, Utah, it gets 110, 115 degrees um, in the summertime. So those, those summer times here with no air conditioning were pretty tough. I lived in a $750 a month townhouse as well. Linoleum, shitty ass carpet, all that, right? So drove a $3,000 piece of crap, lived in a $750 a month piece of crap, all why I was making $120,000 to $130,000 a year. What this allowed me to do is put a lot of money in the bank because my lifestyle was low, my income was high. That allowed me to put stack cash, right? And so in, uh, in, in late 2011, it was December of 2011, uh, I was kind of operating the company a little bit, like overseeing it, more like operations manager, but I didn't have access to the bank accounts. I couldn't mm -hmm. see what was coming in and out. I didn't know how much we were profiting. That was none of my business. I wasn't the owner at that point, right? And so um, with that said, it got to a point in December where I was told that there's no money left. My partner, Jeremy, had to pull five grand out of his personal bank account to fund the business account right after Christmas just to make sure the employee's checks didn't bounce mm -hmm. right around Christmas time, okay? So obviously... The business was failing. He had some money in the bank. The people were more important than his own personal situation. Uh, so he took the money out. He made sure that they were good. And that's one thing that we still do today is make sure that we take care of our people, uh, make sure that we have a lot of money in the bank so that we never get in that situation again. But so they sat down, they talked to me and they said, look, man, here's the situation. 
There's $66,000 sitting in credit card debt. There's zero money in the bank. Like the company's basically belly up right now, right? Um, and I said, look, man, I, I know how to operate this thing. If you want to, if you want to give me full control, I can come in with some money, I'll inject it into the business and I'll save the business, right? I'll help turn it around. So um, there was another individual that was involved because it was Kel, Jeremy, and Jay. This individual Jay was running a Salt Lake office while we were running the St. George office. Okay. So we had two offices in Utah. The issue was he was not really managing money well, things like that. They talked to Jay and said, look, we're bringing Trevor in as a partner. They each own 33%. I was going to take on 25. They were each going to take on 25%. And so what happened was, is I said, look, if I'm going to put my money in this business, it's going to be ran the way that I want it to run because now it's my money. Okay. And if it's my money on the line, I want to, I want the company to fail based upon the decisions that I make. I'm not going to inject money and have everything go the same way as it's been going because then we're, we're just going to be out of business in a few months anyways. Right. And so I start going down my list when we're on a conference call with Jay while he was up in Salt Lake. The first thing I said, we need to fire Jeremy, a guy named Jeremy that was up there. He was lying. He wasn't a great sales guy. We were getting chargebacks, things like that. And he said, no. Okay, what's next? Hmm. And then I said, like the next, I forget what the next thing was. He's like, okay, no. And so Jeremy and Kel said, all right, dude, you could screw off, like be gone. We have nothing to fight over. There's no money left. The only debt, to, uh, the only money to fight over is the debt, the $66,000 in credit card debt, right? So they said they'd take 66.6%. They're 33 and 33. He could take his 33%, right, of that debt. And that's who's responsible for the debt. So that's how it was broke up. He got to keep the Salt Lake office, all the employees, the office, the chairs, the computers, you know, everything. We got the St. George office. And so I injected the business with money. The very following year, it was a $700,000 turnaround. The wow. first year that I operated it starting in January. Since then, we've done a great job of keeping a lot of money in our businesses. At this point, we keep on average roughly, give or take about $2 million in our company bank accounts. One, it creates more opportunities for us to invest into other businesses so that our money can make us money. It puts us in situations where like right now, we're looking at buying our own commercial building for our businesses. And if we didn't have the money sitting in the account, we wouldn't have that opportunity. Third, I'm in the process of getting my pilot's license and we're going to have the money to be able to buy a plane, right? So having access to capital is super, super important in business. And I think the issue that a lot of new entrepreneurs face is they struggle for two or three years. And once it starts making money, they immediately reward themselves. They start taking from the business. And what you're doing is I would call it raping the business more so than taking from the business because you're really leaving it exposed. Hmm. You're putting yourself in a situation where that next thing that happens, that next curveball, you can be out of business because you're funding more of your lifestyle than you are reinvesting back into the company. Hmm. So after that experience, we made sure that look, this is the number that we want in our bank account for a reserve. And usually it's a couple hundred thousand dollars at least per business. But we've started cash flowing so much money that we just decided to keep more and more and more and more into the business because we're doing fine financially. And I would say over the last two or three years, we probably invested like $1.5 million into 10 different business ventures. Um, you know, a couple of them have already failed, but there's still eight of them that are, that still have a, a lot of potential. 
But um, having access to capital and not taking from your business once helps make sure that the business that you're currently operating is stable in just in case scenarios, right? Or unforeseen circumstances. And secondly, it puts you in a situation where you can get more opportunities presented to you because you have access to cash, right? Opportunity likes to find money. And if you have money, you're going to get presented opportunities. And that's exactly what happens. We get presented opportunities, you know, every single month. Yeah. You want to invest a couple hundred grand here, a hundred grand here, 50 grand there. You know, we do it all the time now. And it feels great because now the business is one, very stable. We make very good money and we're investing. Why? Because we went through a shitty scenario where we didn't have money. We learned from it. That's the issue is a lot of people have this pain and this hurt uh, that they caused by their own doing, maybe taking from the business and then, you know, construction slows down and then they go out, they go belly up, right? Uh, that's just an example. I'm not saying a construction company would, is going to do that, but when the market's good, they're all living high on the hog, boats, big trucks, you know, nice houses. And then the market dips and you see the boats and the trucks are gone. They're foreclosing bankrupt. And then the market comes back. They don't learn the lesson. They all drive the nice new shit again. Right. And so, uh, the, the, the real, the real thing that separates people is learning the lessons, uh, that you need to learn in those painful moments so that you don't ever have to feel that pain again. And I don't think enough people are learning the lessons that they need to learn in those painful moments. And that's why it's on a repeat cycle. They have great years, five, 10 year run, then they hit the skids and then they're struggling five, 10 year good run. Mm. You know, my thing is, is delay gratification. If I can delay everything that I want for about a decade, a 10 year period, I can have everything that I want and plus have that lifestyle at, with ease, with ease, without stressing or having to take from my business. Right. And so at, at this point in time, you know, I just barely a year ago paid uh, half a million dollars cash for a uh, almost a one acre lot up on a hill, beautiful view overlooking the city, right? I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't still live in the house that I bought 11 years ago for $250,000. And my, my, my house payment is 1280 bucks a month. Yeah. All my vehicles are paid off. I can live off a of three or four grand a month, but I make at least six figures every single month. Mm. So I'm living literally off of three to 4% of my income. Yeah. So just as I did in the early stages as a sales rep driving a paid off Mitsubishi Lancer that was three grand, no AC, $750 a month house payment, doing that and delaying gratification and not, oh, I make a hundred grand a year. Let's live the hundred grand a year lifestyle, right? Because then I would always be forced to have to produce, produce, produce when eventually I want to put in a situation where my money's now making me money and I no longer have to produce, but I can still maintain and have a great lifestyle. And so I've taken those same principles and still live by them today, still live by them today, right? But I have a, a larger money in the bank and, you know, there's a lot of things that I can have today that I'm pushing out into the future. I'll say, mm, I'll, I'll buy that when I'm 40, I turn 37 next month, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can delay gratification for another three years, you know, I could be worth $10 million, then build the house that I want on the lot that I already have secured. And now I'm living in a, a house that's worth two to $3 million. I can have all the cars that I want with zero stress. 
Why have all these wonderful things in life, the nice cars and the nice houses, if they're actually bogging you down and stressing you out? Every single day, you have to go perform just to pay for your lifestyle. So you're really imprisoned to the lifestyle because the lifestyle is forcing you to have to produce every single day. And if you have, a, again, a bad month, a bad year, whatever it is, you're screwed. Yeah. Literally, if I walked away from all my businesses right now, I could live for at least 30 years without one penny coming in my front door. At That's least awesome. 30 years. That's awesome. I love how I was going to ask, like, have, did you keep up that kind of process you had when you made a hundred grand that you keep that up now and you like took the answer uh, or took the question out of my mouth. So like, that's really cool that you, that you're doing. That. I think that's extremely, yeah, I, make, uh, I make, I make seven figures a year and can live off of $50,000 a year. Pretty, that's awesome. Pretty easily. Yeah. So, so let me, uh, let me ask you this. So like, you've obviously reached like a next level. Um, I listened to a solo podcast you did a few weeks ago about, when you're going from like one level to the next, you kind of have to face like a final boss relation to like video games and stuff. So could you elaborate on that point? Cause that was something that I really got out a lot out of right there. Yeah. I mean, look, new levels, new devils is what they call it. Right. So every level is going to have, have a new devil that you're going to have to beat to get to that next level. Right. There there's any, anytime you're, you're trying to level up in life, there's going to be a curveball. There's going to be an issue. Even with my pilot's license, I'm, I'm facing an issue. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm having to work with the FAA to work through some past issues that I had when I was younger, some DUIs that I got in order to try to get to this next level or this next version of myself. And that's even just an individual thing, not even a business thing. Even even as a individual, you're going to have to fight some sort of demon. Right. You're going to have to fight some sort of at the end. So level one. Yeah, you can kind of skate through it. You might die a couple of times, but it's pretty easy to get to the end. You end up kind of figuring some things out with the, hey, up, down, up, down, da, 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 it does this. I can beat that guy. Then the next level gets just a little bit harder, right? And in business, your first hundred grand, you know, might be, might feel tough at first. Uh, then you make that first hundred thousand dollars. Then the next level, let's say you want to make a quarter million dollars, then a half a million, then a million. Every single one of those levels is going to have a new, a new monster that you're going to have to face a, a new issue that you haven't been presented before. Right. Just like at the end of every level, there's this thing that you have to beat at the end of the level in order to have access to the new level. And every, every video game that you're, that you're playing, there's, there's this bad guy that's protecting you from finishing it. Right. And so like, for instance, let's say you, you're uh, the, uh, the uh, one man band, right? And you're just starting out by yourself. You're doing everything, answering phone calls, trying to figure out marketing. You do the fulfillment. Let's say I'm a plumber, right? Or uh, whatever it is, you know, um, and, I'm, and I'm over there, you know, turning wrenches, showing up to the house calls myself, and you start getting a little bit of money in the bank and you start getting a little bit more jobs. Okay, now it's time for the next level. The next level is now hiring help. And those are going to come with issues that you haven't faced before. There's going to be people that you can't depend on. They're going to call in sick. They're going to make excuses. They're going to do half-ass work and it reflects on you. Then you have to figure out, well, how do I motivate my employees? How do I get them to give the same level of service and care that I give without them really owning the business, hmm. right? It's your business. It's your baby. Of course, you're going to care about it. But the idea is, can you get other people to do that that don't have vested interest in it but Besides just a, a paycheck weekly or monthly or whatever it is, right? And then let's say you figure that piece out. 
And then you want to have, you know, multiple offices and you want to, you know, go from a half a million a year to a million dollars a year. Now, maybe you could use word of mouth at first. This guy does a good job. Hey, use him. But you can't explode a business without really understanding how to market and really how to advertise and how to get your name out there, get attention, right? That might be the next devil, that next level, right? So yeah, you've grown, you know, you got three or four employees, they're running around doing jobs. Now you're wearing a new hat where you've got to figure out, okay, how do I get even more jobs so I can grow from four people to maybe two teams of four people? Hmm. That might, again, the marketing piece might be the next, the next devil or the next level that you're trying to get to. So then you're going to have to focus on that. You're going to run across a million issues. You're going to lose money. You're going to try everything that doesn't work prior to finding the one thing that does. Unfortunately, when you put the shovel in the ground, turn over that first piece of dirt, usually there's not a huge chunk of gold. Usually you're digging and digging and digging. like this don't even, this don't even make sense. And then finally until you get to the pay dirt, right? And so it, it's, it's that same concept just in business. You're going to try a lot of things that don't work prior to you ever finding what does. And you just have to be okay with that process. Um, but yes, you will have to evolve as an individual and as an entrepreneur, right? That's just part of the process. Just like as in a video game, you have to get better. If there's 10 levels, the you at level one is not, if you jump straight to level 10, you're going to get your ass handed to you and, and say like, holy shit, how would I ever be able to beat that guy at the end of that level? I, there's no possible way. Because you tried to jump forward. Mm. You're not really going through the process and learning the lessons that you need to learn in each level to equip you to be able to have a fighting chance at level 10. All these other levels is just putting you in a situation to learn the lessons that you need to learn so that you're more equipped on those higher levels and that you're putting yourself in a higher probability of having success at those levels because you did the work in these other levels. But if you use a bunch of cheat codes, your homie takes the controller, you know, whatever, whatever, again, you're not equipped. So you have to go through the process. You've got to go through the struggle. You've got to go through, you know, getting your face pound in and understanding why this is happening, make those adjustments. So by the time you do grow a $10 million company, you know, everything from the first hundred thousand all the way to the 10th million or the the, the last dollar that did 10 million, right? That puts you in that category. And so it's very important to take it level by level and extract the lessons that you need to extract uh, within those levels to better equip you for later on in business. Yeah. I love the point you made. I mean, if you just, I feel like if you jumped from, you know, 21 year old Trevor to now 37 year old Trevor, you, and you just like literally have no lessons of what you my got. Mind, my mind would explode. I'd quit and give up Wait, uh, I would, yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't be as stress resistant as I am now. Right. So let's say for instance, my normal day might stress the fuck out of some people to the point where they just, their head's going to explode and they just, they, they can't hack it. Um, but I had to go through everything that I had to go through to get to the point where what I deal with now is my normal. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I took somebody at level one and injected them in where we're at doing $13 million a year in revenue and business, their mind would explode because they haven't again, gone through the process. They haven't got stress resistance. Um, and, and I think all those levels teach you so many different things to equip you 
to, to put yourself in the five, 10, $15 million a business category. And everybody's looking for a shortcut, but the shortcuts actually really are the, the long cut in reality, right? You take a shortcut and you're going to end up putting yourself in a situation where we're going to have to go the long route, come all the way back and then do it the right way. And so I think people just need to stop looking for shortcuts, come to terms that time is a big issue in business. And it's one thing that nobody can do anything about. It takes time to grow something. It takes time to uh, build a business that is valuable enough to pay you a million dollars a year. That's just a fact. And too many people go into it wanting a better future. That's why they start a business. But when they're six months in or 12 months in and they're dealing with issues, it's just not happening the way that they thought it would happen. And they forget that they really went into business for the long term. I want to be successful by the time I'm 40 or by the time I'm 50, right? I didn't go to, into business and invest into that company at 25, 26 years old and expect to be a millionaire by the time I'm 27. I just knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I knew it was going to take a lot of time. And I was okay with that. So that's why I haven't got as frustrated with the process. I've just let the process be the process and I've controlled what I have the ability to control, which is my daily actions, right? Waking up at a certain time, getting my mind in a certain state so that I'm entering that day in a certain state every single day. Because some people have bad days because an unexpected thing happened, right? And it throws them off but they're not controlling the first one or two hours every single morning to get themselves into a state to where no matter what comes at them, they're good, they'll handle it, but they're still going to do the things that they know that they need to do to move the needle in their business. Yeah. I totally agree. Having the morning just to get your mind right and set that foundation is super important. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's a game changer. The, the issue is, is a lot of people don't see results from it again immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. So you might start this new morning routine and you're a month or two into it. And you're like, oh, this, I just don't feel different. I don't really see a whole lot of results. And then they default back what's too familiar to them, which is sleeping in and just barely getting to work on time or to the office on time. You know, I'll call that person back tomorrow or I'll reply to that email tomorrow. Again, everybody's hitting the, the snooze alarm in life. I'll do that tomorrow. That's the ultimate snooze alarm. The problem with the snooze alarm is you keep putting off things that you know you need to get done. So when there's really an issue that has to be addressed, your muscle memory kicks in and you want to put that thing off. And it's that much more difficult to tackle that thing because your brain's so used to pushing that thing that needs to be done off to tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And in some cases, tomorrow never comes. You never do that thing. And that's why you're stagnant in business. Yeah. Or tomorrow comes and you're like, oh shit, I have like these 15 fires. I, I, <laughs> I got to do right. So then you're just putting out fires more so than trying to move the needle with your business. Yeah. And I think that most people, they, they forget to take off the hat of the individual that's doing a lot and start delegating. People need mm. to do better about delegating or else you're going to build a business that you're imprisoned to. Mm. Because if the business can't operate without you, you're not a business owner, you're self-employed. You just, you cut your own check. A business owner owns the business and the business pays the owner. Self-employed means they've just created their own employment, Hmm. meaning they have to be there 40, 50, 60 hours every single week in order for the business to operate, in order for it to give you the dividend or the check every single month. 
So now you're in prison to the business. Now you need to figure out a way to start delegating things early on in the process so that it doesn't get too far down the track. And then next thing you know, again, you're, you're just, um, and, and when you're stuck working in the business, you have no time to work on the business. Working on the business is what grows the business. Working in the business is what maintains the business. Mm, man, I love that. Working on the business, way more important than working in the business. Yeah. yeah. In the business, your employees should be working in the business. They should be in the weeds every single day, moving the needle, right? You should be the visionary. You should mm. be out trying to get more attention on your business so that it's growing. And, and when the business isn't growing, either you're not growing as an individual, the individual leading and, and, and responsible for the business, or you're just too much in the day-to-day operations and you're in the weeds. And therefore, you can't focus on the business in terms of growth. You're just dealing with putting out those fires every single day in order to maintain. So. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so let me end on this. I want to value everyone's time. I mean, what uh, what would be your one word, Trevor, just to really describe kind of the journey and uh, the success you've had so far? I don't know if I can do it in one word, bro. It's, <laughs> uh, I would say extreme. Cool. Because, I mean, the ups are extreme. The downs are extreme. Your habits need to be extreme. Mm. You have to have extreme belief in what you're doing. If you're not going to the extremes every single day and you're not creating habits that other people might deem as crazy or weird or whatever, meditating in order to clear your mind or waking up every single day at 530 when you're making over a million dollars every single year and you don't have to wake up at 530 every single morning, but you're an individual of discipline, an individual of character that honors what you said that you're going to do so that you do it anyways, right? So there's a lot of extreme scenarios in business. And if you're not extreme in the things that you're trying to accomplish, where other people don't view you as extreme, you're just going to be, you know, the, the typical business owner that pulls 50 to 150 grand a year out of your company. And then you're going to work for that business for 30, 40 years and then retire with a million headaches. Right. So, yeah, man, that's awesome word. Like extreme ownership too is a big one as well. Yeah. Take, take extreme ownership for your shit. If you, if, if your ship's sinking, it's because of you, Yeah, you know, it's not your employees. You're just not leading your employees the way that they need to be led. You're not creating culture with inside your organization. It all falls on your shoulders. If the business is doing great, good thing. It all falls on your shoulders too. If it's doing bad, it all falls on your shoulders. Everybody wants praise for the good, but wants to put point fingers when, when something bad happens. Mm. So extreme is the word. If you're not an extreme individual and, and, and having these commitments and you're extremely committed to those commitments or those habits, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, no, 100% agree. 100% so, there. Um, Trevor, where can people connect with you? I know I plugged the podcast a little bit as well. So uh, the floor is yours on that. Yeah, no, if, if people want to reach out, just so people are aware, I do own uh, 60 Day Credit Repair. I own Easier Accounting. Uh, we, we're investors in eight different businesses. Um, so we have businesses. So if you need accounting help, you can reach out to us. If you need credit repair help, you can reach out to us. But mainly, if you're just wanting good entrepreneurship, business content, something to ignite that flame, I, I believe everybody has an ember in their body, an ember of greatness. And it takes somebody just to kind of blow on that, that ignites the fire. 
and, it, and, and I might say something that you may have already heard, but I say it in a way that lights that fire or somebody else might say something uh, to you that lights the fire in a different way, right? And so it's just like uh, songs, right? You can have somebody do a remix of a song and it's two different people singing the same song, but you like this one better than that one. And this one you vibe with, this one you don't, but it's the exact same lyrics, right? Where the, or, and it's just, they sing it differently. Uh, with their style, right? And so I'm a firm believer that everybody has an ember of greatness. They just haven't found that thing that ignites it. Um, and I'm a firm believer that our podcast is out there doing that for people right now. It's igniting that flame and that that ember that's in all of us um, in order for them to maybe see something a little bit different. Uh, maybe believe in themselves a little bit more or understand that you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to have a certain background to be successful. And if individuals are interested in content like that, you can follow us at Real Business Owners on Instagram, uh, or you can check out the podcast on any podcast platforms. Uh, Again, it's just Real Business Owners. So yeah, uh, appreciate you having me on though, bro. It It was a good one. This was an Glad epic time. It. Thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, you added a, a ton of value to the listeners out there. Oh, I hope I did. I hope I did. I hope I blew on somebody's ember. Yes, sir, brother. Appreciate the time. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to check out Trevor's podcast, Real Business Owners. And if you need any accounting services, check out Easier Accounting. Other than that, as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success.